Hey folks, this is Philip with the Everyday Fighter Podcast, where we share stories and insights from everyday fighters just like you. Today, I'm speaking with Paul Landreth-Smith. Paul is a longtime martial artist with black belts in multiple disciplines, including kickboxing, uh, Krav Maga, and Taekwondo. He is also a former police officer in the UK, um, having a career of uh, 18 years. He's now a paramedic as well as a firearms instructor, and he is a director at Krav Maga Universal. Um, man, Paul is just a wealth of knowledge, and one of the things I like best about him and I'm looking forward to sharing with you is just his approach to learning and teaching uh, martial arts and self-defense. Looking forward to sharing that with you, but before we get into that, I wanted to jump into our episode spotlight. Now, just as a reminder, these spotlights are unsponsored. These folks, for the most part, have no idea who I am. They definitely don't know that I'm doing this. Uh, it's just that once in a while, I run into organizations or individuals that I think um, are doing great work in the world, and I want to share a bit more of them. Today, I want to talk to you about Any Soldier. Now, this organization is a nonprofit, and it connects deployed service members that are in need of comfort items or personal hygiene products, maybe even just correspondence, things just kind of to make things a little bit more comfortable on deployment, connects them with volunteers back here at home that are willing to send these items in care packages. So if that's something that you're interested in learning more about, perhaps being a volunteer that wants to connect with um, some service members out in the field and want to send them care packages, uh, just connect with them. Go to anysoldier.com. To date, they have helped more than 2.5 million deployed troops, and it's just a wonderful organization. So that is it for our spotlight today. Let's jump into our chat with Paul Landreth-Smith. I grew up in a town just outside of London in the UK, and um, uh, I did I did the whole thing that a lot of people do, I guess, where you start watching martial art movies. So obviously there's obviously there's Enter the Dragon, you know, of course. Um, but when I was in that really kind of influential age, it was uh, Jean Claude Van Damme with Kickboxer and Bloodsport and things like that. And I was like, oh, that looks awesome. You know, I just I just want to do that. Um, so of course I went off to a kickboxing club, hmm. which um, was, with hindsight, awful. But I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> it was just not a good club. Hmm. Um, so, but it, it 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 really gave me the bug. And then I went to college, and I've been doing kickboxing for a while. And then there was a, a taekwondo club there, and that was a good club, run by a really cool guy. And um, I liked the taekwondo because it had all the flashy kicks. And, and that's what it was all about because I wanted to be like Jean-Claude. I wanted to be like these, these movie stars because at the time, this is, in, this is in the early 80s. This is like late, eight, uh, I mean, late 80s, early 90s. So um, this, this uh, idea that effective martial arts was very flamboyant, very kick-heavy, you know, jumping around like the movie stars. So I, I really got into that and I loved it. And then um, I picked up a... a video of this unknown uh, event that was being held in Las Vegas. And it was, it, it, it was hardly anybody had heard about it. I didn't know anybody that knew anything about it. And it was, uh, 
it, it, it was really brutal and it was called the United, uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championships. <laughs> and it, was, it was one and two. And uh, I was like, that looks awesome. <laughs> so um, I kind of went around and had a, you know, had a, you know, had a look around a few places and I found uh, a BJJ club and I got choked out by a 17 year old girl. Like triangle choke, boom, I'm out. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a pretty good striker, but there's obviously big gaps in my game. Hmm. So that's how I got into the BJJ kind of MMA side of things. So, that, you know, this is all kind of evolving on, evolving on. But at, at the same time, I'm, I'm at college and I'm funding my, my way through by being uh, a bouncer at Dorman. So I got to try some things for reals, as it were. And it, I found that there was a marked like variation between what you were doing in the dojo and how things worked out in real life. Like they just, you know, they didn't really gel mm. because the other guys didn't know what they were supposed to do. They didn't know how they were supposed to fall down. They didn't know how they were supposed to throw a punch. And it was hard because things that I could do quite easily in the gym, it was hard to do against unskilled opponents. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then I eventually became a police officer. So then I, I, I had 18 years as a cop. And in the UK, because they don't carry guns, it's a lot more hands-on. So uh, I, I had a lot of fights. Um, and they range from confrontations where you're having to use your verbal judo in order to get people to do what you want to um, being in, in, a, in a mob and you've got armor and you're outnumbered 10 to 1. And it's like a, like a, um, a football hooligans or something like that. So there was this huge variation of, of threat that I had to handle. So from just kind of like the one-on-one, -on -one, let's just try and talk this guy around and convince him to do what I want without actually laying hands on to rolling around in the front room of a guy that's just had a fight with his girlfriend to facing off against a crowd of people and you're outnumbered and they want to get somewhere else and, and you're like the thin blue line, as it were. Um, so I had all these different experiences. And the MMA, uh, the kickboxing, the Muay Thai, the BJJ, the MMA club, had, you know, they did really, really well. And they, they had this um, very transferable skill set, but there was always something missing. And then I got into Krav Maga. And that was like the final piece of the puzzle, kind of bloop, just kind of dropped in. And um, it enabled me to make things work from a more practical background. And at, the same, and at the time, it worked well because I was moving out of my competitive phase into uh, my kind of realistic fighting, for want of a better expression. So that was how my progression went. But then, of course, you know, much like yourself, I, I, I was instructing and I made a lot of errors. I made a lot of mistakes when it came to trying to teach people, particularly women. Uh, I look back now with mild horror at some of the mistakes that I made. Because, you know, you kind of promote yourself as, yeah, I mean, I can fight. I'll, I'll show you ladies what to do. Mm. And there was always this kind of a disconnect. Um, but uh, meeting people like um, Megan, meeting people like um, Anne Kirk, meeting other people. Uh, I, I, I work in a local area with um, a foundation that helps women that have escaped a domestic violence. So speaking to women like that uh, has really humbled me in terms of my skill sets. And it, it really doesn't matter what I can do. It, it become, and I really, really enjoy it now because it's, it's all about problem solving. How can I make you better? 
because it doesn't, you know, well, what would you do if someone came at you with a knife? That It doesn't matter because I'm me and I'm 200 pounds and I go to the gym and I've got 30 plus years of martial arts fighting experience. So it doesn't matter what I would do because <laughs> it's irrelevant in terms of what they would do. Now I have all these skills that I can kind of draw upon and say, okay, let's, let, let's try and find out something that works for you, your, your build, your skill set, your personality. Uh, what kind of situations are you talking about? Because there's a difference between a domestic violence situation and just a generic, I'm worried about the walk to my car from work, or I'm going to go traveling around Europe. You know, these are different mindsets that people have to adapt. And that's one of the things I like about Krav Maga. In, in, you know, it's, it's, it's very problem-solving orientated, where you're thinking, what's the issue? Okay, how can we fix this? How can we, how can we make it better? And um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, ever-changing um, environment. And it's, it's humbling a lot of the time because the amount of times where I'll be thinking, yeah, I, I think I know what I'm doing, and then somebody will come along and just go like, whoop, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I have to change everything that I'm teaching now because that was a better way to do it. So hmm. it's hard work. As far as like, you know, making those, those types of changes, things are always evolving. Is it, is it coming from other people in the industry where like they're teaching things a different way or is it coming from the P the women that you're teaching saying, Oh, well, what about this scenario? And you have to think about it in a different way. It's, it's all of the above. Hmm. So there are certain industry leaders and I don't mean necessarily the, like the top guy of an organization. There are some groups, systems, organizations that are very um, stagnant. They're, 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 they're just trying to keep their little thing going. And that's great. If, if you want to turn up, pay three times a week, you know, train, that's great. But there are other people in the industry who are innovating, and changing and trying to test what's going, you know, what they're trying to do. So we keep our eyes on those kind of people. And then you go and do um, practical tests. So myself and Ernie Kirk, one of the things that we will frequently do is we will just say, oh, you know, we're worried about this. So let's just, let's just try it. And we get a few people that we train with and we say, okay, well, here's the problem. And we start off slow and we build it and build it and build it and try and filter out the nonsense and try and get, okay, well, this is a consistent thing that, that works. It doesn't work for everybody maybe, but here's this thing that works for most people. Here's a little something else that works for, say, athletic people. Here's something else that works for the not-so-athletic people. You know, this is kind of in the middle. We've got these other things, options that we can go down. And then ultimately you have to find people like Megan and like Anne, and you have to go and have a conversation with them and say, how do I, how do I put this across? How do I communicate this to um, other people that, you know, like you say, I'm not a woman, so I don't understand sometimes a lot of the issues. And it, it is really good fun. If you do a proper all women self, it's nothing like a, you know, a dude's class because they just want to hit stuff and smash each other up. But women laugh, they have fun, they're, they're so supportive of each other. And, and, and you kind of stand back, you're like, yeah, I, I, yeah, guys don't congratulate each other like this all the time. We, you know, we may have a bit of a bromance and be like, yeah, you know, you know, good work, man, or a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a hug. But, you know, women, they're all like, yay, you did it. <laughs> are we fighting or are we having a party? What are we doing? <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting mindset to try to juggle who you're dealing with. Exactly. Mm exactly you know the target audience that you're trying to attract and, and how you have to change your language in order to address all these different people it's it's tough but but we try 
let me ask you about that. I want to dive into that, you know, as we're on the subject is you mentioned like the, the differences between when you're training men, training women, and they have that, you know, it's, you know, it's your, you know, what you said is like kind of like a celebratory, very supportive environment or such. Uh, is there a balance that you, you have to strike between that and uh, I guess the, the kind of the, the, the levity of the situation without traumatizing anybody, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, Hey, you know, the, someone's trying to do you harm. Um, and like getting it to the, where it's, I hate to say, it's not even necessarily taking it seriously, but it's like, it's not going to be a laughing matter necessarily if that happens. Yeah. To them. Does that make sense? I mean, it does. No, no, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it is, it is a balance because people learn better when they're enjoying themselves, when they're having fun, when they're, you know, if, if everything is just like, ah, then they will shut down mentally and they're not going to absorb any information. And again, depending on your target audience, you have to be very careful with, if you trigger people, um, and I know that that's sometimes a word which is misused, but you, you have to be careful because I learned the hard way, you know, just going, okay, I'm going to choke you from the front, boom, just shut somebody down. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? You know? um, so, so again, it, it, depends, it depends who I'm teaching. If, if, if I'm teaching a group of people, I'll approach it one. If I'm teaching instructors, it's a, it's a different thing to say, okay, you, you have to ask permission. You can't, you cannot lay hands. I know it's a self-defense class. I know it's martial arts, but you can't lay hands on anybody unless you ask them first and say, Hey, I'm just going to do this. Is that okay? And if there's any hint of, uh, then okay, just move on to somebody else and just show them. You know, and it's okay to sit things out. It's okay to move at your pace. As long as you're, as long as you're growing, it depends how long I have with that individual. So if it's just like a two hour seminar, I'm, I'm restricted how much I can achieve. So it tends to be more theory heavy as opposed to hands-on heavy. But if it's someone that's coming to me regularly or it's someone that I've really built a relationship with. So there are, you know, there are a few people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a female, but there are a few people who I have over years built up a level of trust where I can go really hard and I'm pretty much fighting them and I want them to fight me back. And the confidence that they gain because I am relatively strong and relatively intimidating when it comes to that sort of thing. So the, the, the confidence that they gain at just beating that, I mean, it hurts me. I, I go out with a headache. I get a little <laughs> But I'm like, yes, you did it. You did it. That was awesome. Um, but you can't just throw somebody in like that because you'll shut them down. It's, it's not going to work. So, so trying to find that balance between enjoying yourself and having fun and then yeah this is serious this is what real fighting feels like mm. and i'm fortunate that i've had a lot of experience when it comes to real fights and it is at times terrifying because mm. you're thinking it's so chaotic it's so uncontrolled it hurts <laughs> it it um you, you know, you're worried about all these different things that are going on at the same time. It's very hard to process everything. Um, it's, it's like information overload. And to work your way through that and be able to, to pass out the important things like, okay, this person is dangerous. I need to address this person. This person is just back up. They're, they're not so dangerous. They're just there to kind of help this person. But, but this is the one who's dangerous. This is just an idiot. This person isn't going to fight at all because they're just there for the show. You know, it, it, all these different things, and it takes time to work that psychology out and to and to 
you know, the first time it happens, just like, ah, there's a lot of people, I don't know what's happening, and everything's chaotic. So trying to simulate that environment with people takes time. And it, and it is tricky. And you have to, you have to build it um, with trust, that they trust that you have their best of intentions. And there are a few tricks we can do. Um, it's relatively easy to in, uh, induce stress. You can just you know, put a timer on it, like say, okay, you've got 10 seconds to get away. People just start freaking out. <laughs> and I've said, I've done anything, just so you've got 10 seconds to get away or something. Or, or I'm going to make you spin around three times. Or I'm going to put a blindfold on you. I'm going I'm to make you wear a hoodie. I don't mean a hoodie and then I'll pull it over their head or just stupid things and, and you can freak people out within a safe I can escape um, you know you don't have to have a safe word but you know you can escape so that it's not real and at the back of their mind they realise that it is just training uh, but you, you you have to build that intensity so I don't tend to refer so much as it's not real or or you can't have fun but we have to build the intensity of the training to make it simulate stress mm. The way that your body reacts to stress can be replicated in the training hall. And that's what we're trying to achieve so that people then can leave with that and go out into the real world so that if it happens, because most of the people it's not going to happen to, um, if it happens, then they've already trained themselves to cope with that stress. Hmm. That's what we try. You, you uh, made the air quotes when you said, I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of experience with fighting. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by, by the air quotes there as far as fortunate? And is it such that, I guess that's the question. I mean, is, what, what do you mean by that? Um, so it is uh, uh, ethically and morally uh, wrong to go around fighting with people. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just not a good thing. However, I discovered at a, at a relatively young age that I had a talent for it so i put myself into situations to protect people who were less able so working as a doorman um you, you were putting yourself in between people who are trying to fight more often than not and and that often involves you having a fight yourself so i'm fortunate that i was able to put myself in those situations to gain that experience but it's not something which you know you 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 know, you have to be a doorman, you have to be a police officer, you have to be some sort of sheepdog is the expression now that people like. Um, so I, 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 was, I was using my talents at the time to, to, you know, to protect other people. So that's, a, so, so that's a noble thing, I guess you could say, but I'd be lying if I said that I didn't enjoy it to a certain extent <laughs> because it enabled me to do what I liked and I had a, you know, I had a talent for it, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, and that gave me, and this is why it's fortunate, it gave me invaluable experience of the difference between traditional martial arts and even um, modern combat sports and real life because they're different. Even, and I've, I've had fights in a cage um, and in a ring, which were MMA, and uh, it, I mean, that's crazy intimidating to, to step into a cage where they lock the gate <laughs> You've got all these people and say, okay, bum, seconds away, and everybody leaves, and it's just you and a dude and a referee, and they lock a cage door, and you're looking across this chain link fence at this dude, and you're like, okay, what, okay we're both going to get hurt. I mean, this, and, and I know you're a good fighter because otherwise we wouldn't be doing this. And, he kind of, and there's this little part of your brain thinking, what are you doing? This is insanity. 
And that's really scary and it's really stressful, but there are rules and there is a referee. So it is safe. <laughs> but you know, when it's a real fight and you don't know if there are weapons involved, you don't know exactly who's involved because there could be multiple people. Um, you're not entirely sure of your escape routes. There's no one to stop the fight. And one of the things I got to see as well through my work is what can happen if you lose a fight. Not, you know, not through me, but the way that people will keep fighting someone that's, that's out of a fight, how they will um, soccer kick a downed opponent in the head, how they will use a bottle, how they will blindside, how they can stab each other, how they can use improvised weapons. And it actually made me more afraid to get into trouble because I'm thinking I've, I've seen the consequences of what can happen and all that bravado I when I go out I don't want to have any fights I don't want any trouble I don't want to have any problems <laughs> because I've seen what the consequences can be so I'm fortunate that I have that reality check in terms of you know what you know what works so I I it causes me problems with other martial arts instructors sometimes because they'll come out with something ridiculous I don't know some like wrist lock or something. Oh, if someone grabs you like this, just put them in a wrist lock. And, and I'm like, okay, time out. That, that won't work. Yeah, it will because, you know, my instructor, okay, stop. <laughs> Have you ever had a real fight? Well, no. Okay, so stop. You know, that, this kind of stuff, it's, it's fantasy. It doesn't work because all I have to do is just tense up and hang on, let me just, no, it's just a, a simple example, but you see a lot of nonsense being taught. You know, the internet is fantastic. You see all these things, you just think, <sighs> and, and they end up on the news half the time. They'd be on like, I don't know, some local news channel or even like a you know regional, and they'll be like, they'll wheel somebody out and say, oh, what do you have to do? I'm like, oh my goodness me, this is going to get people killed. This is just not. So I'm fortunate that I have that experiential backup to be able to quantify and to qualify my opinions and say, I don't agree with what you're trying to teach people and this is why. Mm. So that's helpful. What, and you know, this is, uh, this comes up quite a bit in the uh, martial arts industry, but what is your opinion? What, how do you approach folks that haven't had that experience, that fortunate uh, experience that you, you've had mm -hmm. being um, law enforcement, even, you know, like in, in a lot of real fights, yet they are instructors. Mm -hmm. um, where, where, I guess, where, where do they come into the mix and where do they have to, where do they have to stand, I suppose? <laughs> um, so, I'm not trying to say that you, you can only teach if you've had that experience. That's, you know, that's not right. So there are lots of examples of very good competitive coaches who weren't necessarily very good fighters, but they're good coaches. And the same is true for self-defense instruction. But you have, to have, you have to have an open mind to be able to look at what you're doing mm. and, and analyze it from a critical point of view. So, you know, the critical thinking of, does this technique make sense? Can it be applied under stress? Can it be applied for the majority of the population? And if it can't, how do we need to adapt it to fit other people? 
because there's you know there's like a bell curve isn't there of of of, of ability and a lot of martial arts instruction tends to appeal to the very top of the bell curve you know the top five percent maybe the top ten percent but what about everybody else in the middle you know, what about ordinary people what about people that are at the bottom of the bell curve how, how do you address those so everything that you teach has to has to fit areas so you don't have to have all the fighting experience but you have to be able to uh, develop the critical thinking abilities to be able to analyze what you're doing and do it practically so somewhere 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 within your sphere of influence is going to be somebody like me or like a cop or somebody else that's had a load of real fights and you can go to them and say you know, what's it like from a psychological point of view but within your training circle as well you, you basically have to kind of close the door sometimes and say okay we're going to work this technique and try and you know really try and make it work and we're going to up the ante and up the intensity and then we're going to discard things that aren't so effective and you can simulate a lot of the problems there because then it becomes realistic so we for example we have a guy um who's, who's he's called big dave because he's big but, um, <laughs> and his name is joe right? <laughs> yeah. oh you know him okay good <laughs> yeah. he he is a lovely man but crazy big and strong and it's all muscle and he makes you feel like a child because you you, you got all these moves and he just looks at you i mean he, he can literally grab you by the throat and lift you he's he's that strong so when you're doing groundwork, for example, they go, oh, you just trap and you buck and you roll, and it doesn't work because it's Dave. You're like, mm. so you have to, so you know, having somebody like that, you can say, I don't want you to do anything dramatic. I don't need you to use it. I just need you just to be big and heavy. <laughs> just, just be big and heavy. And I'm going to try these moves. Just, you know, just tense up as as I'm grabbing you. Just throw a technique with some passion. So it's hard for me to. You know, I can't just you know, block. I've got to, because that's not going to work. It's going to hurt me. So we need to change things. We need to, so, you know, don't work against, you know, one of the worst things that I think instructors can do is just work with their students all the time. Because their students always have that level of respect. So you have to, you have to find one of your students or one of your friends or, or one of your, your compatriots to say, okay, let's just you know, attack me. Just to see what happens. I, you know, I did that with um, some knife work. I was, I was struggling conceptually to accept a lot of the knife defenses that I'd seen around. So me and three guys, we, um, we got together um, in, in a private gym and we just, we just attacked each other with training knives, obviously. But it wasn't like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a straight stab. I'm going to do a slash. But it was just stab me like a prison yard shanking. That, you know, that's what I want you to do. And it was incredibly frustrating because <laughs> we got stabbed a lot and we were like this just isn't working you know what are we doing so we ended up kind of breaking down like three techniques that had the best probability of success because we still got stabbed but it was the best probability of being successful and then we would we you know we and then we, we do it standing up we do it kneeling down we do it when we're surprised we do it when we're clinching we do it when we're grappling and it was kind of the same kind of deal we was just there's three and so you, you know you see all these other things and you're thinking well, it's not working so you don't necessarily have to like i haven't had lots of real knife fights but we've still been able to work out through being honest with ourselves how to replicate reality 
And that's basically just throwing all the rules away and not being nice to each other and saying, let's try and make this work. Let's, Let's try to work out the worst possible scenario and then work backwards from there to start with simpler building blocks and then work back up to address that original problem. I mean, to do something like that, it, it's, it requires, at least for, for my point of view, it sounds like it requires a good bit of, um, I guess, confidence, being okay with being wrong, <laughs> letting go of some things that you have been studying and learning for possibly decades. Yep, yep, it's, it's hard. And I think that's why a lot of the problems occur. And that's not just in the martial arts, that's, in, that's just in life in general. Um, you know, you'll have an opinion about something that will be very strongly held and you believe it and people that you trust have told you this. And this happens a lot in martial arts where, you know, your instructor says, this is, you know, this is what you should do. And then you find out, well, wait, what? Hang on, that, that doesn't make any sense. And eventually you're going to have to come to a point where you just have to say, you know what, I, I was wrong. And that's hard. Um, and that's why I think, you know, the critical thinking, which has that ability in, you know, inbuilt to that, that side of things, which isn't just applicable to martial arts, but just in life in general, to be like, you know what, that, that was a, a view that I held about certain things. And then the evidence comes in and I finish, I'm going to have to look at that evidence and go, crap. I'm, yeah. I, I'm going to have to reevaluate my standpoint on this particular thing because it, it really wasn't working. Um, so again, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate air quotes. Um, some of the systems that I've done, like Taekwondo is terrible for it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great style. and I love it. And I have no regrets that I did it for so long, but it has some pretty interesting interpretations to some of the traditional movements. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that just wouldn't work. <laughs> and then you start, you know, you backtrack the history of Taekwondo and you realize some of the other influences that, that, that were there. And you, you go and look at those other like Japanese systems that were, and then, you know, cause they didn't like gauging, um, knowing the secrets, but then in more recent years, they said, oh, okay, well, this is what we're really doing. And then with like, um, uh, bunkai, you know, the application of all the techniques. And then you, 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 you kind of bring that back into Taekwondo and you go, well, actually, this move makes a lot more sense if it's a throw. Hmm. No, it's not a throw. It's it's a rich hand strike. No, it's actually a shoulder throw. No, no, it's you're turning, you're doing a rich hand strike. Like, no, think about watch. It's a throw. <laughs> and and depending on the instructor, they'll either kind of sheepishly nod their head and go, yeah, I know, but, you know, it's Taekwondo, I can't. Or they don't, no, no. La, 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 fingers in ears. But that's the same with um, self-defense. You you end up thinking, you know, this is how it's going to be. And then you have to reevaluate your position and go, yeah, that didn't work out so well. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to change things up a little bit. It's one of the things I love about Ernie Kirk is that he has no issue with, with, with changing his, his mind. And he's, he's, he's changed my mind about a few things. <laughs> and I've been like, God, he got me again but yeah he's he's very much more about principles and techniques i guess i mean for an instructor and you know you you made reference to it earlier where particularly working with women it's like oh yeah i i once did it this way or i taught that or the other thing and then that i found out later i realized later that was just not the way to to do it Mm -hmm. um is there that feeling of kind of like backtracking or like, um, I guess that's, you know, 
letting somebody down. It's like, oh, you know, oh yeah, I'm supposed to have the answers as the instructor mm-hmm. and to admit. And again, you know, to, to your point, this is, this is something I mean, you usually look at politics, right? <laughs> you see, like, yeah, someone says this, they, oh, then new evidence come in, but they still stay, stay the course yep. on what they yep. said initially. Yep. As, a, as an instructor, like, how do you handle that process of like, I don't know if it's, you know, even saying eating crow is, is, is the, uh, is the term for it, but like, okay, guys, I got something to tell you. That's- yeah. Um, so it depends on your audience, you know, once again. Um, so going back to my work as a police officer, I was an instructor for them as well. And uh, we used to do CQC in a particular way. So that's where you're doing these room entries and you've got like, you know, the stick and all this kind of stuff. And it, it, um, there's a particular way that we did it. And it, and it's, it has to be one way because then you're drilled and everyone knows what they're doing and it's a system. So when it's all very chaotic, everyone knows what they're supposed to do. And then, um, through a, a complicated, but pretty cool system of circumstances, somebody went, well, what if we change this? <laughs> and and it was hard because organizationally that was very difficult to change because as soon as you saw it you were like well that that makes so much more sense <laughs> so you know the operators were like well we want to do it like that because that's brilliant and the instructor and i was one of the instructors and we were like oh, we're gonna to have to rewrite the manual we're gonna to have to admit that we're not the best at this you know and i was okay with that because i was like you know, this makes sense and this is safer and we're less likely to get shot and we're, we're more effective. Da, 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 da. But it's very hard to get the organization to change because, you know, they were very invested in, well, this is what we do and this is consistent with, with you know, what everyone else is doing. So if we have all the, any kind of mutual aid or if we're working with other agencies and we're all on the same page, and we were like, yeah, but this way is better. <laughs> and it took a long time, but we, you know, but we did it. We eventually changed it, and and it's the same kind of a deal with the martial arts. Yeah, eventually, there have been instances where I've I've thought, well, this is going to be really good, and then someone just shows you something, and you go, ah, I'm going to have to change it. And if if you've got if you've still got your own students, then you can go to them and say, hey, listen, you know, this is the way I tend to approach it. Is I tend to go to them a little bit more humbly and say, let's work through this as a group. And then come, and then we can we can work together because this is what I'm seeing and I want your opinion too, and then we'll we'll run a class and usually people come over to my way of thinking because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people will be like, well, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm going to keep doing it the old way. And you're like, well, that's fine. You know, if that works for you, it, it becomes harder when. So, for example, with Krav Maga, you've got you've got like traditional Krav Maga, which has a curriculum. And it's very, very kind of, you know, this is what Krav Maga looks like. This is how you move when you do Krav Maga. This is how you address these particular attacks and et cetera, et cetera. It's supposed to be an evolving system. It's supposed to be dynamic and alive and, and to react to things and to be constantly adapting. What you actually find is that you, you have some organizations that are still holding on to the curriculum from 20, 30 years ago because that's what makes it Krav Maga. And it's like, yeah, but the world's changed. So, for example, when Krav Maga was invented, the UFC didn't exist. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu wasn't a thing. But now it is commonplace to face up against people 
who have, have trained in a gym and they're not nice people, but you know, they know how to shoot and take you down. And traditional cover guy is weak on the ground. You know, it's, it's all, well, you just get up. What do you mean you just get up? Have you ever, have you ever been on the floor with a wrestler or a BJJ guy? He's just going to get up. Like, no, you won't. You, <laughs> it's going to be painful and sore. You, you have to learn to, so the more honest Krav Maga organizations are, are incorporating a lot of groundwork into, in, into their systems now because it's had to evolve because the world has evolved, it's changed. Mm. Um, but it's hard to get these, these systems where there's a guy on the top and he says, this is how it has to be. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, he says it's got to be like this. So, it's, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And so it's, 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 it's tough. And I think it comes from the top. If the top people can turn around and say, you know what? We're all going to have to learn to grapple. <laughs> then you know we don't have to become BJJ black belts, but we have to learn how to, you know, not to, just to freak out. Well, what's happening? I'm on the floor. What's happening? I, you know, I don't know what to do. Um, so it's hard to change things on on a, on a smaller basis, like on a personal level. For me, it's, it's easy. If someone comes to me and they shows me a better way to do it, I'm I'm sold. When it comes to teaching my students, it's still relatively easy because we, I have that relationship and I can say, hey, you know. I was showing you this, but I, I watched a video. I saw a thing. I went to a seminar. I saw this thing. Let's let's work through it, and then then they come on board. The, the further out you get, the harder it gets to affect change because you 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 have less influence and, and and people become very invested in being the expert. Um, I, I I will never say that I'm an expert. <laughs> Because I've because I've had I've I've been proven wrong too many times. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, you know, I I know a lot of stuff and I have a lot of experience, and I'll I'll engage with the conversation, but I'm never going to say I have all the answers. I know exactly what to do, because it's it's there's there's far too much information out there. There's there's far too many different ways of approaching the same problems, and it's it's hard. And I've been proved wrong. So I know a lot. Mm. But I don't know. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, like your point, even with the uh, your your example with the uh, uh, with the police force, you know, it, there's a lot of factors that come into play, and it's not just about logic. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You know, no, it's definitely not just about logic. Um, in fact, logic is often the the furthest thing. <laughs> it's a lot about empires and. Um, people protecting their jobs and uh, their, you know, their little slice of the pie. And, and, and that could be financial. It could just be the, you know, the kudos of being that person. And they don't want to change their mind because they're invested in it, um, which I get, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to turn around and say, uh, I'm, I'm not the best guy in the room. I never want to be the best guy in the room. If I'm the best guy in the room, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. Mm. Uh, I, and I always try and stress that when I go and do seminars and so on, that that collectively, everyone that's there, even though I'm probably teaching the seminar, I say, I guarantee you all have something to show me mm. because you, you have experiences that I don't have. And I always try and draw that conversation and be like, tell me some of your experiences, show me some of the things that work for you, these, these little things. And, and, um, a lot of the best things have come from people that have no formal martial art training. They just, just do raw experience and you go, huh, I, I never thought of it like that. Cause martial artists tend to start, they can't help themselves. They tend to start going down a path of, of consequences of, of action. Mm. And if you can, uh, 
if you can break away from that, then it, it, it's very interesting to see how non-martial art trained people address the same situations because it's very different. Mm. My dogs are woofing at me. No worries. Trying to calm down. <laughs> Retreat. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think I, I, I was talking with somebody about this the other day where particularly if you're looking to help people that are not familiar with self-defense, with martial arts and such, um, it's, it's easier to give them a... I guess we want to give them a, an easy decision to make, right? You want to train with us because we're, we are, for example, Krav Maga, and this is the way we do things, right? They, so it's not so nebulous to them. It's like, oh, this is, this is what you're getting, right? As opposed to, to your point, oh, I'm no expert. I just know a lot of stuff. Yeah, come and train with me instead of those dudes. <laughs> but I've got a belt. You know, I've got a belt. I've got trophies over here. Okay, and then we have a particular way that we do. You're going to learn those those ways, which is very you know, which is very different. Again, for somebody from the outside, you to make, make a choice. Yes, I mean what the the way that you're talking about that, that's not that's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so you have to have a balance between trying to promote yourself as being competent. But I also don't want to come across as a knowledge. So you have to, you have to, um, and I'm, and I'm usually fairly successful at that insofar that, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, I, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate the fact that you're, that you're not trying to just bamboozle me with, with I'm the best and this is the greatest and this is what you need to do. I tend to, I tend to be more involving of them in the conversation because it shouldn't be a one way street. It shouldn't be, you're the student and I'm going to tell you what to do. It should be, Come to me with your problems, and we will work it out together. Hmm. Because I have, I, you know, I, I have a knowledge bank of ideas, but I need you to to teach me what you need from me, and then I will feed you the information that's appropriate for you. Because you know how how I train how I train cops very different from how I train you know the general public. Because cops have a different mentality; hmm. um, they can't run away. Well, I mean, they can, but. They, they tend not to. So for a civilian, it's all about escaping, being able to get away. Stop the threat, run away. Stop the threat, get in car, drive away. Stop the threat, save yourself. Cops, it's, oh, there's a threat over there. I'm going to go forwards. So there's a different mentality. Um, the military, again, they have a different mindset because they're a lot more lethal, to be perfectly honest. Um, people who routinely carry firearms, they have a different mentality. Because you have to train them to be constantly, you should be trained them to be constantly defending their own weapon because they're in a dangerous situation and they've brought a firearm. They've made it worse if they don't know how to use it. <laughs> so, you know, depending on who you're teaching, you, you, you have to change the dialogue. So I have all these different uh, conversations available, but I have to get what they want from me and then we start to address it. So how I approach... Um, a, a scared middle-aged lady with a couple of kids who's escaping domestic violence would be very different to how I would approach a SWAT team member that wants to train how to basically do a control and restraint after they've, you know, um, smashed somebody's house up and beaten everybody up. It's, it's just not going to be the same, and you can't approach them in the same way. You, you, know, you have to, you have to have that conversation of, you know, who are you? Where are you coming from? What is your skill set? Are you training in other systems? Like, you know, the way I train 
someone that's very skilled at striking would be different to how I would train someone that's very skilled at jiu-jitsu because they have a different, you know, they're coming at it from different um, uh, places, like starting points. Wrestlers in jiu-jitsu, they're different. Like you put a wrestler on his back and he just loses his mind. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you have to, sometimes you have to kind of, it's okay, you know, calm down. We can work through this. Ah, I can't be on my back. Yes, you can. It'll be okay. Um, it, it, it just it depends. So, so even though I, I tend to play myself down a little bit, I, I do have quite a, a depth of understanding of different places that people are coming from. And I like to work with that and, and get that conversation because it's not about me. It is not about me. It is about them, what they can do to protect themselves because I'm not going to be there. But what would you do if this happens? That that's not the that's not the right question. What are you going to do if it happens? And that's where we and that's where I try to go from. I think ultimately though, I mean you you have the choice also, right? We're, I mean from what I was uh, mentioning earlier, it's like well the person is making a choice of which person and which school they're going to mm-hmm. get their instruction from. But then you're still making a choice yourself. Like well is this person just looking for a belt? Is are they looking for like a specific curriculum, and they're not open to different ways and uh, of doing things? And the, quite frankly, the uncertainty of these scenarios that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot. So, um, ooh, what happened there? I lost you for a second. I put something on there. There you are. You're back again. Um, it, it's hard sometimes to teach other martial artists. Hmm. <laughs> because they are coming down from this. Well, you know, I, I train in traditional karate, and I've been doing it for a long time. And I say, well, you know, we want to. Do, oh no, no, no! You know, this is how we address that. You know, but you've come to me to ask me how how I would do it, and I'm showing you. Well, that way is not as good as that. Okay, but and this is one of the things that I try to explain to other instructors a lot of the time. It's you can't show people what you would do because. You, you know, their their starting point is probably, you know, maybe they go to the gym a couple of times a week. Maybe they played a little bit of uh, football in high school. I, I don't know. That's their starting point. And now they're coming to you and saying, oh, you know, I want to learn to defend myself. You, you, can't, you can't expect them to hit the ground running with 20 years of karate experience, <laughs> which is where you're coming from. So the way I would teach a karate instructor would be different because they can do things that most other people can't do like i always generally teach people you should never be kicking above the hip because it's dumb because you're off balance and stuff like that however if you are a really sick taekwondo or or muay thai fighter and you can throw those head kicks maybe you could maybe you could but you're not everybody, you know what I mean? Like for the general public, yeah, don't be standing on one leg waving if you know, because it's it, you're asking for problems. But some of you might be able to do it. Um, a really good grappler. I mean, I'm always like, you shouldn't take people to the ground as a general rule because you're asking for problems in a real fight because you, you you might get kicked in the head by his friend from behind. But if you got a really good takedown and, and or say you're um, a judoka. And you're just going to hit someone with the planet. Fantastic! You know, I'm not great at judo, but I've got some judo friends, and I I do not want them touching me. I do not want them grabbing my clothes. I've learned very painfully if a judo guy grabs my jacket, pain. 
pain is coming in the next few after a short flight I'm going to find myself in the air thinking this is going to suck and then oh it hurts so bad and they're like okay that's oh, yeah that would work really really well but I, I'm not going to teach everybody that because most people it takes I mean I mean you go to judo class they spend hours doing the same thing over and over and over to build and it's like yeah most people haven't got the time to <laughs> they don't want to do it so yeah, it is hard because some people come to you, they've done their own research, or they have a friend and they said, I want to learn this style. Mm. And if they're coming at you that blinker, there's almost nothing you can say to change their mind because they're gonna be, I'm looking for this. So if I can if I can supply them with that, that's great. Or sometimes I'll 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 point them down the road and say, Well, there's this guy, and he's he's a good guy, you know, he's he's gonna help you, or there's this lady, she's gonna help you. But if someone comes to me with a more open mind, like these are my concerns. What are your recommendations? Hmm. That's a different conversation because it's like, okay, well, these are the things you need to be thinking about. These are the issues that you need to address. These are the people that you need to seek out. So, you know, a little bit like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to be unsure. It's okay not to know what you're asking for. Cause that's one of the things a lot of people don't know what they're asking for. I had a friend of mine, he, 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 he had quite an astute observation. He said a lot of people um, want to learn how to defend themselves. So they go to a traditional martial arts uh, club and end up learning how to do combat sports. Mm. <laughs> right. Because they never really knew what they were looking for and they ended up going, so, you know, that's, there's a lot of places like that where well my friend says that taekwondo or my friend says that karate or my friend says that judo okay I'll go and try that place and then they end up liking the physicality of the of the competition and end up becoming sport competitors mm. and that's because a lot of those places they'll say right after their style you know self-defense so yes, obviously it means it's, it's that's what they're getting yeah they do yeah they do and I was that guy I was that guy for years and years and years and years who would market myself as, well, this is a system that we do, um, and you can adapt it for self it's for self defense too. <laughs> yeah. It was always, and you can adapt it for self defense. And my reasoning was, and I believed it wholeheartedly, and I still think it holds true to a certain extent. If you learn badminton or tennis, then you'll become their athletic and you have a good time and I wouldn't want you to hit me with, you know, with a racket, but in a self-defense situation, you, you're going to be limited. Whereas if you learn how to do a traditional martial art where you're learning to punch and kick your, your chances of improving your, your survival rate will be higher. And that is true. Absolutely. It's true because, you know, a karate guy can throw a good punch and a kick. A, you know, a Muay Thai fighter. Well, actually, Muay Thai fighters are just, I mean, they're brutal. They're, yeah, they're going to give you a hard time. I don't want to have a stand-up fight with a Muay Thai fighter. It's, it sucks. I have had those, and they suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it will be better. But the, but the difference is, it's a sport. There are rules. There is a referee. And the, the difference in self-defense is, um, you should be seeing things before they happen and taking avoiding action. But if you can't, or if you're not afforded that opportunity, then you have to be thinking about 
using the wall to slam somebody's head into, picking up a, a weapon of opportunity, deploying your own weapons if you're legally allowed to carry them and if you train how to use them, uh, countering their weapons. Because I always assume that they're going to have a weapon, whether it be a firearm or a blade or just a, you know, a stick or something. Um, multiple opponents. So all these systems that, that people train in that are very effective at teaching you how to fight, it's always one-on-one. It, 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 I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, UFC, Muay Thai, BJJ, Taekwondo, it doesn't matter. It's one-on-one. And that changes a lot of things when you have multiples or when you introduce weapons or when halfway through the fight, you know, the rules change. So um, they're not wrong when they say self-defense and martial and, you know, martial art and self-defense. They're not wrong, but we teach self-defense. Mm. We don't teach the martial art. Mm. It's self-defense. And it's kind of the other way. So I don't like these uh, martial art uh, self-defense clubs like Krav who brag about how they don't do sparring because it's too dangerous. (laughs) All right. Sure it is. You, you, You have to have a level of contact and competition. You, you have to pressure test your techniques. And the best way to do that is to kickbox or to grapple. So you're going to have to do it within a certain controlled environment, but you still have to have that mindset of, okay, but it, it would be different if it was for real. So we, so, so, so we have a couple of different ways that we, uh, that we spar. We, we spar purely as in a sport way, but then we kind of have a Krav Maga way and that, that changes things. And it, freaks people out that are used to conventional sparring because they're like, you're breaking all the rules. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> because I'll bite them. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. And they'll be like, you just bit, I don't actually bite them, but I'll, I'll be like, ah, and I'm like, are you biting me? Well, no, but I'm simulating it. <laughs> because they, you know, they still flinch like, ah, get off. I'm like, oh, you know, you're bigger than me. That's how I get Dave off. I have to bite him. <laughs> That's, that's the go-to uh, Dave move. <laughs> yeah, I try and poke him in the eye or bite him or something. Right. I think he's wise to it now, so he just laughs. But. <laughs> Paul, um, one of the last things I want to get to before uh, I let you go here. Are you okay with time? Just a couple more minutes. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm good. Awesome, man. Listen, you um, you talked about like kind of your upbringing and getting into martial arts here. You made the distinction between your first club, the kickboxing, brutal place, and you know, in retrospect, saying that it was a kind of a bad situation there versus kind of a, the good Taekwondo club or whatever, obviously, you know, you know, within that particular context as well. Um, what, what was the difference there? And what, what was the realization that you had that now you can make that distinction? Fairly straightforward, really. So, so the kickboxing club I was training at, um, it, it was all about, can you fight? Hmm. So I had been training for four months and I had my first full contact fight. I know I saw your eyebrow raise. I mean, ridiculous, but it's all Could you fight? Were you already fighting like even on the street or whatever before you joined that club or? Um, I'd I'd had a couple of tussles, but you know, I I went into this club. So my first experience of competitive fighting was being thrown in a ring uh, against some guy with uh, zero and four that was looking for an easy match. (laughs) And, uh, but it you but you weren't 
you weren't taking care of it. it was just it was just hitting pads and striking pads and fighting each other and i was walking out dazed and busted up i have i think i'm mentally ill because there's no reason why i should have stayed it doesn't make any sense but mm. but, but that's what a lot of these like good clubs are like um, and then you go to the taekwondo club which i went to which was run by a guy who was a very skilled competitor but it was much more nurturing it was much more supportive it was much more um there are a lot more people, which was a good sign. Um, there are a lot more women. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't like beating them up and like leaving them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there are a lot more women. Well, I say a lot more women. There were women, hmm. <laughs> which was a good sign. Um, so you, 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 so you had this environment where it was very nurturing and encouraging, and and there was a, a, a an appreciable way to advance through the skill sets, which of course was was through belt ranking. But you, you know, you knew where you were. The senior grades would take care of you and advise you and tone it down when they were with you. Um, you know, the you know the white belts weren't just there to practice new techniques on and to beat up. Um, so, yeah, the, I've I've had a couple of experiences of of the bad gyms where, and it was a you know my first, not my first, but the uh, experience with BJJ as well. Hmm. Um, it wasn't the girl. She, I, you know, she was great, but there was another, you know, a couple of other guys there that would just beat up on the lower grades. They would just try out their techniques and, and injure people. Mm. And you know, this was, like I say, uh, mid nineties, so it was kind of wild west, I guess, for that kind of thing. But as as things improved and people realised that you can't just kill all your students, it's not very good for retention. Mm. So they, um, you know, to have a nurturing environment where where you you build people and make them grow. And I was, I've been very lucky to, to be part of several um, clubs that have that, that mentality. Now, now, that doesn't mean that they're weak and it doesn't mean that they're soft. It means that they're there to help everybody grow. I've, I've, been, to that, I've been to those clubs as well where there are people running around with all sorts of belts on and, and I'm just looking thinking, what are we doing here? We, it looks kind of like martial arts, but you're just dancing around. <laughs> that's the other end of the scale. And I, I try to stay away from those clubs as well because they're... I think they're just there to take people's money, mm. but th- but there is a balance where you can have strong, intense, realistic training. And by realistic, that could be from a sport point of view, where you're going to be successful in competition, or realistic from a self-defense point of view, or both. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. Mm. Um, and so you can have a good, strong, effective, proven way of training, but you don't walk home with a concussion every week <laughs> I, i'm worried about my brain I, I think i've got i know i've got some some tbis from my early days of training and i just think well, what was i doing hmm. that'll all come to fruition in about 20 years and we'll see why i am <laughs> yeah similar type of experience <laughs> but yeah well, yeah the question is like why did i stay for so long or yeah and i have no idea i'm like why why because i wouldn't now if I went to that club now, I'd be like, see ya. Yeah, I'm out of here. But yeah. I guess 18 years old, 20, 19, 20 years old, you're full of testosterone and bravado. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. <laughs> but to, to your point, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's those two extremes there. And ultimately, it's, it's finding the, the one, you know, that's kind of like that, that Goldilocks zone for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, like you want to be able, you want to be productive doing something, going, working towards a goal. Um, and still maintain some safety <laughs> through it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, and and that's important. And instructors should be taking care of the students. Um, I, it's you. Th they come to you um, with a. It's 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 your duty of care to make sure that they're safe in the training environment. Mm. They shouldn't be being injured, and that also translates interestingly, I think, through to self defense. Like, so if you're if you're a bad kickboxing instructor, mm. if you run a, a weak kickboxing gym doesn't really matter because your students come, they have a good time. They're enjoying themselves. They're keeping fit. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Worst case scenario is your students just consistently lose when they go and compete. You know, that's, that's worse, isn't it? That's, and everyone goes, well, they're a bit, you know, they're a bit weak as a club. Hmm. If you're a bad, um, forms martial artist, and that could be, you know, then, you just you're dancing around, you're doing your thing. But again, you're keeping fit, you're enjoying yourself, everyone's having a good time, you're just a bit weak at what you do. But if you lie to people or you train people badly in self-defense, that's wrong mm. because people can get hurt. And I, there is an ethical duty of care to make sure not just that they're safe in the training environment, but what you're teaching them is going to keep them safe outside. It has to has to be both. You can't just you can't dumb it down so they're happy and they're safe. Sure. Oh, I don't want to get hurt while I train. Well, okay, we're going to minimize that. Mm. I'm not even going to say it's going to go away. We're going to minimize that. But I also have a duty of care to, at some point, when I built that relationship, going back to where we started right at the beginning of this conversation, at some point I'm going to have to build that relationship where I'm going to take you to the edge mm. and you're going to nearly shut down and you're going to be scared. And you come through the other side and I, with almost without exception, you know, people have come to me and thanked me afterwards. Be like, that was awesome. I didn't think I had that in me. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I told you, dude, I told you you could do it. I'm like, Man, I didn't think I'd be able to get that person off. I didn't think I'd be able to hit you that hard. I didn't think, you know, whatever. There's a really good example to go back to Megan. Um, uh, I attacked her with a shot knife in her grading and I didn't go easy. I I went to went to I think I did stab her. I think I stabbed her in the leg. Boy, she beat on me. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was great because because I kind of when she knew it was coming, she didn't perform as well because mm. she freaked herself out and she kind of did a bit. You know, she did okay, but it was like meh. so. Then two minutes later, I went for it and I I stabbed that girl and she turned around, boom. <laughs> A little bit cauliflowered. Mm. It was awesome. She whack, and I was like, oh, Megan, because you know what she looks like. She doesn't look like she's got that in her. And she boom, boom, and, oh. it was great. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> these are the, these are the types of trophies that uh, instructors are looking for. You know, it's not so much forget about the medal, forget about the shine or whatever. It's did they do they do this type of thing? You know, did they come back at you? Yeah, yeah. Did, did they, they grow? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the growth there was like, oh, I yeah. didn't know that was in me. I, I just didn't let it out. You know, it's good. Paul, understand this, this was this yeah, was awesome. great. Appreciate appreciate you being being on here. Look, uh, I think for the people that uh, that find their way to uh, to to this episode, um, they're probably going to want more of you. Where could they do that? Um, well, we have our website, which is um, Kravagar Universal or KravUniversal.com. Uh, we've got a Facebook page as well, uh, Kravmagar Universal, which is fairly easy to find. Um, or they can uh, send me an email, which would be 
paulls.kmu at gmail.com. And if anybody wants to, I've got no problem with someone talking to people. Or there's a lot of times that I can't help someone either too far, or it's not my area of expertise. And I'm like, yep, that's fine. I'm going to speak to this guy. You know, this is the this is the person in your area that can help you. This is you know, this is the female that that you need to speak to. This is this is the group of people that are going to help you. I, I've got no problem with being that that that. It's not about me. <laughs> it's about it's about being able to spread the word and, and keep people safe. So you know, if you want to drop me a line, I might not answer straight away, but I'll do my best. Awesome. Paul, thank you again so much. No, thank you. I enjoyed it. Anytime, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Paul. Um, as I said, I mean, he is just a wealth of knowledge. But I really love his approach when it comes to teaching and working with with people that. He really considers the context so that he can serve them in the best way possible, but also is willing to review the things that he has learned and taught up to this point and make modifications as necessary. And I think that's something that's really important. It's very easy to kind of stick with your guns and what you've learned and tradition and history of it all. But when it comes right down to it, you've got to ask the question, hey, is this still serving in the way that I had initially thought and if the case is no then my belief is that you have to change it and I, and I appreciate uh, Paul's uh, approach on that as well so that is it for today's episode this is Philip with the Everyday Fighter Podcast we'll talk to you next time 